You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, church. Well, if you would, if you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is going to be on page 979 if you're using one of our, one of our pew Bibles today. We're going to jump into God's Word in just a moment. Well, I love uh, learning things. I love reading. I love um, just kind of catching up with current events and kind of learning about different things. And so, something came up in, it was June of 2018. So we're looking at three and a half years ago now. How many of you guys remember hearing the story of this Thai soccer team that got stuck in this cave? You guys remember that? Some of you, yeah, crazy story. Absolutely crazy story. I remember uh, they, they, they wrote a book about it, so I read the book, and um, on, on Disney Plus, it actually came out with like this really good, probably two-hour-long you know, documentary on what actually happened, what the, the price that was paid really to rescue uh, this soccer team. For those of you who don't know the story, so in, in June, so in, in, in Thailand, from like July till October is like monsoon season. It rains like every day. So... This soccer team, so it was uh, the captain, the, the coach of the team, one, one of the boys on their team, I think they turned 13, so they went into this cave. That's what they do, I guess. They don't have Chuck E. Cheese over there, so they just all go to a cave, and, and, and they got in, and while they were in, it started, it started to rain, and the cave filled up with water to the point where they were like stuck on this beach within the cave, and they couldn't make it out. The way that they'd come in was filled with water. And so, obviously, someone found a bunch of bikes outside the cave and recognized that these people aren't coming out, so, so we need to go in and save them. And so the whole thing, it was all over the news. Um, it was like a worldwide event. People from America, Australia, um, from Britain, they all came to, to try to save this team. And the crazy thing about it is they, the, Thailand brought, brought in their Navy SEALs, and I'm not knocking them, but listen, they weren't, they weren't trained to do cave diving that was required to get these boys out. And so they could, this team of like hobby divers, some guys, I guess on the weekends, they go into caves and cave dive. That's their thing. They like being alone. They like being cold. They like being in really tight spaces. Not my thing, but it, it was their thing. And they actually formed a group of these hobby divers to go in and save and save this, this group of boys. But as I was watching this, a documentary, there was a point within that rescue where the, the British diary said, there's no way we're, we're getting these kids out. Um, the water is rushing in too, too quickly. Um, it's dark. We don't even know where they are yet. They were, they were like three hours in to, it, it would have taken them a three-hour dive to actually go find them. And they remember part, of, halfway through, they, they'd been there for a few days, and they, they came out of the cave and said, it's over. Like, it's done. Um, thankfully, People kept trying, and they got to the point where they could actually, where they found these boys, and they were actually able to get them out. And the way that they got them out is absolutely incredible. Like, if you haven't seen this documentary on Disney+, Plus, go watch it. I'm not going to spoil any, anything more for you. Um, but a lot of times, if we're honest, we, we are like the, those, those British cave divers, where we look at the world around us today and say, it's over. And Satan has won. 
Um, our culture has gotten to a point where we feel like there's no turning back. But you know what? Each and every generation has felt that way. It's not just this generation. Each and every generation of followers of Jesus have felt like Satan is going to win. The spiritual battle that, we, that, we, that we're in and that we're in each and every day is over. But you know what, church? There's hope. And there's hope found in Ephesians chapter 6. And so we, we've been talking about the spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle that we're in. And so Paul has been, has been kind of... Um, picturing us, picturing and describing the, the spiritual armor that God has given to us to fight the battle all around us. But let's be honest, guys, that battle's hard. And that battle is long. And a lot of us are just tired. We're weary of continuing to fight the spiritual battle that we're in. And God knew that. God knew that this wasn't going to be an easy fight. And so God gave us an armor, the helmet of salvation, to help us in those moments of weakness and weariness. And so this morning we're going to see how the helmet of salvation shapes how we see the battle. See, up, up to this point, each, each piece of armor that God has given to us helps us in the battle, some way, some, some way somehow. The helmet of salvation now helps us see the battle helps us see, not only with our own eyes, but with God's eyes, what exactly is going on and the hope that you and I can have as we fight and struggle against Satan and his demons each and every day. So I want to turn your attention to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. It says this, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Church, today I want to focus on this idea of the helmet of salvation. So before we get into what it means for us, we first need to understand what a helmet does. And listen, you guys aren't, aren't dummies. You guys know what a helmet does, right? What, what does a helmet do? It protects. It protects what? Your head. All right. We're good. We're good. A helmet protects, protects the soldier's head. See, the helmet was one of the last pieces of armor that a soldier would put on. See, a helmet provided a sense of, um, so it consisted of this metal bolt. Obviously, it was padded on the inside, so your, your brain doesn't knock around too much, but this is probably what a Roman helmet looked like. It would protect not only the head, but the shoulders uh, the cheek, and, and then the, the, the neck there as well. It was there to protect from blunt force trauma. A lot of times with this hand-to-hand combat, when soldiers got close enough, they would, they would fight with something called a broadsword. The sword is three to four feet long. It would be held with two hands, and you're, you're cranking and, and knocking these soldiers all around without that helmet to protect your head. It's a surefire way to get, to get yourself killed. But not only does a helmet protect the head, the helmet also gives confidence. Obviously, you need to have some confidence to wear something with a big feather on top of your head, but, um, but it gave confidence. What it did, what it did for the soldier going into battle said, listen, my most vulnerable piece of my body is my head. But with a helmet on, it's protected. They have confidence to run to the battle not, and not run away from the battle. Helmets do, do the, kind of that, that same thing today. You ever see a little kid playing peewee football? 
you put shoulder pads on that kid in a helmet and he becomes a killer. Like, I've, I've seen the movie, you know, Little, little, uh, little Giants. And these little, like, pipsqueaks were the kids. You throw a helmet on them and he just destroys people. There's something about wearing a helmet that gives confidence. And God knew that too. And so God wants us to stir confidence within our own hearts that we can actually win this spiritual battle that, that we are all in. Now, there, there's something I want you to note about this helmet before even moving forward, and simply is this, that this helmet comes from God. This helmet comes from God. If we go back to Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10 and 11, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Be strong in the Lord. Put in the strength of whose might? Of his might. And put on the whole armor of God. See, this is God's armor. This is God's strength. And God is the one who does the saving. This isn't something that we pick up and put on, and so we're going to run into battle, and we're going to save ourselves. No, the helmet of salvation is a reminder of what God has already done for us. We don't have time to get into it now, but the Old Testament gives picture after picture of God standing up as a warrior to save his people. Isaiah chapter 51, uh, verse 5 says, My salvation has gone out. Um, Isaiah 59, beginning at verse 17, actually talks about Jesus, the Messiah, standing up, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, and putting on salvation as his helmet and going out to save his people. Listen, I don't have time to, to go into the connection there with Isaiah, but, but it's there. And, and if you want to know more about that, actually, a small book that I picked up on the armor of God. It's called The Whole Armor of God by this guy named Ian. I'm pretty sure his last name is Dugan. It's D-U-G-U-I-D. But Ian, this guy, makes an incredible connection between the Old Testament's God saving, and then actually Ephesians 6, where it talks about the armor of God. And, and the thing that he brings out about this book that I love is, listen, we're not putting on any armor, any old armor, when we suit up in Ephesians 6. We're putting on God's armor. We're putting on the armor that he, that Jesus has already put on when he came down to earth to save us. So it's not this shiny um, brand new set of armor. This is blood-stained armor from our Heavenly Father, from Jesus himself, that we put on each and every time we, we fight in the spiritual battle. So if you want to check that out, it's called the whole armor of God. Really, really great connection there. Another thing that I want you to understand is, listen, we're not picking up this armor for ourselves. We are taking it ourselves. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 it simply says, and take the helmet of salvation. That word take there isn't just pick this thing up. I'm not going to pick up this monitor and take it. I'm going to receive it. See, the, the word take there is the Greek word dekoma. It means to receive, welcome, and accept. On Christmas morning, when someone gives you a gift, they hold it out to you, and you dekoma, you receive it. And so God is handing us this helmet of salvation and say, listen, you're going to need this as you fight as you fight the spiritual battle that every believer fights in. Take it. It's from me and I want you to have it. 
See, church, in this morning, what I want us to do is to understand that when we take and when we put on the helmet of salvation, we remind ourselves that God fights for us. And we remind ourselves of what God has already accomplished. So if you're a child of God this morning, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to remind you how God has saved us, is saving us, and will save us. And when we understand, when we see the spiritual battle with those things in mind, it's going to change how we see the battle in front of us. So let's, let's look at this first thing. God has saved us. See, when we think of salvation, we typically think of this aspect, don't we? We ask people, when, when were you saved? We ask, and all that, all the question there, all that is, is when did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? See, the story of redemption is that all of us have sinned and rebelled against God. And there is nothing that you and I can do to repay that debt of sin. Romans 3, 23, this for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And church, all of us, all of humanity find ourselves in this deep chasm. We, talk, we sang about it this morning. Between us and God that our sin has separated us from God. And there is no way that we can get to God or heaven on our own. It doesn't matter how good we are, how many good works we do, how long we attend church. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. There is that chasm there that, that only Jesus, only someone perfect, could bridge that gap for us. See, and I love this. This goes back to, to that portion in Isaiah. God saw us in our sin and our mess, and he stood up as a warrior and went to save his people. See, the Savior promised in Genesis 3.15, who would crush Satan's head. The sacrifice symbolized in Passover as God was bringing his people out of, out of Egypt. And the Messiah prophesied in Isaiah 53 was fulfilled by Jesus at the cross of Calvary. And there he died in our place for our sins. And three days later, God raised him, raised Jesus from the dead, conquering sin and death. And church, we receive God's salvation when we place our faith and trust in what Jesus has already done for us. Now Ephesians says, talks about this idea that, listen, we are saved by grace through faith, not of our works, lest any man should boast. It's not about what we do, it's, but what, it's about what Christ has already done and placing our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says what happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He says that Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he redeems us, he takes us out of Satan's kingdom and places us in the family of God. Jesus literally comes in. Those of us who were, before we were saved, we were owned by, we were owned by Satan. We're living in our sin. And he came to the, basically the marketplace and bought us out and said, you are no longer Satan's any longer. 
You're one of my children now. And church, the thing that we need to remember is that our greatest foe has already been defeated. As we wage war against Satan and his demons and spiritual forces out there, God wants us to remember that our greatest foe, Satan himself, has already been defeated at the cross. See, listen, you may be in the most significant spiritual struggle of your life. And all you could do this morning is to get yourself ready to come to church. Some of you here may be, may be struggling with, with addiction. Your family may be in turmoil. Your heart breaks because of the landscape of our culture. But listen, there is hope today. See, God's word proclaims that the battle for your soul has already been won if you're, a, if you're a believer in Jesus today. Satan's power over you has been broken. And, and check this out. That the only way that Satan makes inroads in your life and in my life is when we let him. That the only way that Satan's grip and his power impacts our lives is when we give in to that, when we allow him in. But his power has been broken at the cross of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus has saved us, we know that God loves us. We know that he's fought for us and released us from the power of sin and the penalty of sin over our lives. So even though it's hard, and even though you're struggling today, know that if you're a believer, God has saved you. That should change the way that we see the battle all around us. But not only has God saved us, check this out, God is saving us. See, the second aspect that changes how we view our spiritual battle is that God is saving us right now. See, salvation isn't only past tense. It isn't just when were you saved. It's, it's how is God acting in your life at this very moment. See, Scripture tells us that God not only wins the battle, but walks with us through the battle right now. And a portion of Scripture that really illustrates this so well is Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is a psalm that we typically read at, at funerals, uh, but there is so much practical application to those who are going through struggles and the spiritual warfare of their lives at this very moment. So I just want to read it. I want you to, to listen. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 23 as well. But I want to, I want to bring out some, some practical applications here, here from it. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So it says from the very, from the very beginning, the Lord is my shepherd. He is with me. And he will meet each and every one of my needs. Man, as we're going through struggles and spiritual battles, just knowing the fact that God is walking right beside us. That not only is God walking right beside us, but God has my best interests in mind. Because he is not only a shepherd, he is a good shepherd who knows and loves his sheep. Says he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
man, this verse always rocks my world, but thinking it in terms of spiritual warfare just made this passage come alive to me this week. Even though you're in the battle of your life, even though you feel like you're losing this war, even in the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you're with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare, a, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, I love how that psalm finishes up. Because he doesn't say, God, you took away all of my problems. Some of us wish... I wish. That's what it says, but it doesn't say that. But it says, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your, of your enemies, God prepares a table before you and he fellowships and he gives you nourishments while you're walking through them. So church, what God wants us to know is that God is saving us now. God is active in our lives now. See, some people have this view of God that, that, God, that God will save you and then kind of back off. And you're, you're going to live your life however you live it, and God's going to meet you in heaven someday. And that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible not only has, has fought and won the biggest battle for your soul, but he walks with you each and every step of the way. And church, knowing that God is there, Knowing that God is, is able changes the way that we view the struggles that we walk through each and every day. See, the reality that God walks with us through our most complex struggles and darkest valleys gives us hope. See, this hope supports you in your deepest afflictions. It protects you when you're sick and when you're sad. Hope sustains you when you're rejected and lonely. It bears you up when you're depressed and downcast. Hope strengthens you even when you look death in the face. And church, the thing that I want, that Paul wants us to recognize here is that the same God who defeated Satan can deliver you today. The same God who went to the cross and, de and, de and defeated Satan is the same God that can bring deliverance to your life today. And the Lord calls out to us to turn to Him. This means that if we are, as we're walking through our lives, this means that we are daily and constantly going back to God. You, the psalmist, over and over and over again, God, I'm in distress, I call out to you. And he promises to answer our prayer when we cry out to him. Now for some of us, he's going to answer that prayer by taking away that struggle. By taking, by taking away that trial. By, by taking away that hurt and that pain. But for some of us, that's not going to be the case. And for some of us, God is going to say, I understand your hardship. My heart breaks over what, what is going on in your life but I'm not going to take it away. The Apostle Paul cried out three times, whatever thorn in the flesh he was suffering, he cried out and he asked God to take that thing away. 
and the Lord refused to do so. But, Paul said, but God said this to Paul. He says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is displayed through your weakness. So church, this morning, I cannot guarantee that God is going to take away everything that hurts within your life. I can't guarantee that. I don't know his plan. I don't know his will for your life. But I do know this, that he's with you. But, and, and I do know this, that he sees you and he loves you. And if he doesn't take that thing away, whatever that thing is for your life, he is going to give you everything that you need to walk through it. That his grace is sufficient. That he's going to give you everything that you need to not only walk through it, but walk through it well. Walk through it while pointing people to Jesus. Walk through it while instead of having to turn to other sins or other things to find, to find safety and security, you turn back to God and God's going to sustain you. And the beauty of the idea of God saving us now, that man, he is with you each and every step of the way. And his grace is sufficient for every single battle that you face within your life. The last thing that God promises is that God promises that he will save us. He will save us. See, not only has God saved us in the, in the past tense, saving us even now, but he says, one day, I will save you for all of eternity. See, Paul, Paul writes this to, to a letter to a struggling church, and he says, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Let us have clear thinking about what's going on. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, listen, yes, it's hard now. And yes, things are not going the way that, that you want. And yeah, the battle seems like, like, like we're on the losing end. But something's coming. And I will save you. You are not destined for wrath. And I am going to save you for all of eternity. See, Paul points us forward to heaven during our spiritual battles, church. And we, when we catch a glimpse of what is to come, it puts... What, we go, what we're going through now into perspective, doesn't it? And church, the glory of heaven holds us through the hardships on earth. That's what Paul wants us to remember here. Is that the glory of heaven, of what is to come, will hold us through the hardships we're experiencing right now. And just kind of put, put this in perspective. Let's, let's think of something for a second. Imagine that you, got two, that you received two letters in the mail. Same day, same time. That first letter said that your dear, your dear Aunt Rosie has passed away. And she's leaving you $20 million in your inheritance. We love dear Aunt Rosie. But imagine that in that same letter, that same, that same day, the same batch of mail that comes in, you receive a parking ticket for $250. You 
You parked across the line somewhere you weren't supposed to. You thought that you were far enough away from the fire hydrant. You weren't. And you got blasted for it. We all have. We all have the choice on what letter is going to control our perspective. Man, tell you what. If I didn't have that $20 million letter, I would be really upset about that $250 ticket. But when we know that $20 million is coming, that ticket doesn't seem so bad, does it? And listen, I'm not here to negate or to put down what you're going through right now. It's hard, and I get that. And we all have times where we're weary and we're struggling and we feel like giving up, myself included. But so often we let what's going on now control how we view all of life, don't we? So often we think that, hey, what's going on here is far greater than what is to come. Church, I love what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. It says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Paul's life was tough. Paul's life was hard. He was stoned. He was in prison. He lost friends. He, he was ran out of cities. He, he lived the end of his life. I mean, he was, he, was, he was killed for the faith. And Paul says, listen, what I'm going through right now doesn't compare for the glory that is to come. So church, the helmet of salvation for us today points us to what is ahead. It points us to that no matter what we're going on right now, that the end is worth it. That there will come an end to our sufferings. And if you are a believer in Jesus here this morning, whatever you're happening, whatever goes on in this life is as close to hell as you will ever get. The glory of heaven holds us through what's going on right now. So church, I would encourage you to think often of heaven. Read Revelation 21. Meditate on it. What, it. what it would look like to live in a place with no more tears, no more crying, no more sin, no more death. To be in the presence of our Lord Jesus. I encourage you to pray to that end. Every day, Lord, may this be the day you come back. Keep that forever in your minds. And speak of it with, with other believers. Have conversations. Fill, your, fill, our, fill our discussions about, man, I wonder what heaven's going to be, look, be, going to be like. I wonder what, what it's going to be like to, to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear all these stories and be with other believers here. Because, listen, God promises that, no, that anyone who trusts in him, no one will be disappointed Our battle is hard, church, but heaven is worth it. So the helmet of salvation shapes how we see the battle, how we see what we're facing each and every day. I just want to encourage you with this as we close. Listen, we have a God who delivers and saves. So when you feel alone, when you feel disappointed, and ready to throw in the towel, cling to the fact that God has already won the battle. When you feel 
like you're at the end of the rope, remember that God is walking beside you as you struggle. And that he has, he has promised to deliver you from it or give you the grace to get through it. And when you look around and you feel like this will never change, and when you, when you are at the end of your rope and things are getting super, super difficult, remember that none of this compares to the glory that is to come. God has saved us. God is saving us. And church, God will save us. So friends, we've talked a lot about hope this morning. We've talked a lot about the hope and in, in, in what God has done, what God is doing, and what, what God will do. But maybe you're here today, and your life is, is devoid of hope. That your life, that maybe you're here this morning because you had nowhere else to turn. Guys, at, at the beginning of that, of this sermon, when we talked about God will save us, talked about the story of redemption, that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, that we've all chosen to, to do our own thing and rebel against God and His holy standard, and that has separated us from God. And every time we do that, even though we think that, that this is the best thing for us, we drive ourselves further and further away from God's best for, for your life and for mine. But God could have left us in our mess, and God could have left us in our sin, but God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come to, come to earth, live a fully righteous and perfect life, and die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And three days later, he rose from, from the grave so that you and I could have eternal life, to have a relationship with God, to have our sins forgiven. And to enjoy the life, the eternal life that God desires all of us to have. And if you're here this morning, know that one, that God loves you. That God has a plan for your life. That God knew that you were going to be here today. And know that that offer of eternal life is still open. And if you've never had a place in your life where you have, where you have confess your sin and ask God's forgiveness of it and trust it in what Jesus has done in him and him alone for your salvation, I would love to have that conversation with you. And maybe for you, maybe that conversation isn't there yet, and that's okay. Listen, we, we have packets of, of information here up front that I would just love to get into your hands. It's the Gospel of John where we believe that that book was written so that everyone can know that they have eternal life. It talks about who Jesus is and what he, what he has done and what he has promised. The, the other book there is called Ultimate Questions, and it just kind of walks through uh, some of the big questions that people have about, uh, about um, having a relationship with God. And we'd love to have to get one of those, one of those packets into your hands. Just have, begin the conversation. But if you're here today and you would like to know for sure today that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, um, I, I would invite you to come down dur during the last song. We'd love to have that conversation with you. We'd love to be able to have you walk out of here today knowing that you have eternal life and, and a relationship with God. So I'm going to invite the praise team forward. I'm going to just pray over, over, you, over our church today. Um, we covered a lot of material, but there's a lot of hope in it. So let me just pray over you guys. Why don't you stand with me?
we'll pray, and then Pastor Dan is going to lead us in one more song. So, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you, God, for those six little words in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. God, I thank you, God, that you didn't leave us to this battle for ourselves, to ourselves. But one of the last things we are to put on as we go and fight and war within the spiritual battle is understanding that our war has already been won. That you are going to walk with us through each and every step of the way, God, and that heaven awaits us. God, I pray, Lord, that our people would be encouraged today. I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't try to save themselves, God, God, but they would rely on you and rely on your grace for their salvation. And as they walk through each and every day, Father, I pray, God, that you would encourage them, that they would see, God, that yes, things may look bleak, but you are still on the throne and still in control. And God, may you God, encourage our hearts with that truth today. And I pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com. 